Thank you for being here today. It's good to see you all. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at an Old Testament passage. Second Chronicles chapter 20 is what we'll be looking this morning. If you'd like to open your Bibles or uh, go there on your tablet or smartphone this morning and follow along with us. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Today we begin a new series. I put a lot of thought into this title. It's called the Prayer Series. Okay, well, there you go. Um, Felt led, felt very led by the Lord that we uh, begin to really think and talk about prayer. Now, now one of two things happens. Uh, for some of us, the thought of really thinking and talking about prayer and even praying more engages us immediately. For others of us, we can almost like, like turn that off. And what I want you to do this morning is I, I, want you to, I want you to think with me over these next few weeks about prayer and the power that can come into our spiritual lives as we pray. And so I trust that you'll journey with us over these next few weeks. I remind you this morning that prayer is the key to a victorious Christian life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at a few different people throughout Scripture um, and see how their prayer life enabled them to be victorious, no matter what they faced or what they needed. I I picked this slide, uh, this picture on the slide that we'll be looking at every week uh, for one reason, and that's because I think that if we're not careful, uh, a lot of times it can describe um, our prayer life today, and that is that, that we can a lot of times find ourselves off doing what we need to be doing and, and become very disconnected from God. And so my prayer is for myself and for all of us that over these next few weeks that we would truly reconnect with God in prayer and ask Him to help us uh, in our lives. You know, a lot of times we find, our, we find ourselves stressed and tired and defeated spiritually, and many times if we trace back the reason behind uh, feeling that way, it's because we have, we have really disconnected in our relationship with God. Um, and so my prayer is that we will reconnect with Him as we journey together over these next few weeks. I want us to begin this morning by looking uh, at the prayer life of a king of Judah, kind of an obscure king in the Old Testament by the name of Jehoshaphat, and he made the choice to pray when he didn't know what else to do. And I want to encourage you this morning that that's the theme of the day, pray when you don't know what what you're going to do, what else to do, you don't know what to do, what you do is you call upon the name of a God who's able. Second Chronicles chapter 20, I'm going to be reading uh, from, normally read from the NIV, but uh, today I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, if you'd like to follow along. Second Chronicles chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. It says, it happened after this. And so I have to just stop and, and explain to you it happened after what, right? It happened after this. I want you to know that Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, he had been doing a lot of really positive things for the nation. He had called, really called the nation to revival. He had started a lot of reform, really turning the heart of the people back to God. He had turned his heart back to God and was turning the hearts of the people back to God, was doing a lot of really positive things, taking the nation in some very positive strides spiritually. Okay, And so that's what was taking place when we read what happens next. He was in the midst of a great time of obeying God and doing what God was asking him to do. And as he does so, let's look at what happens. He he faces some major difficulties. Here's the problem. Uh, We go on. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. So at least three different armies come together, join forces, and are now coming against him and the people of Judah. 
Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazan uh, Tamar. Jehoshaphat is making these positive changes. He's doing some really positive things to bring glory to God. And, and we see that the enemy, in fact, as I said, three different armies joined forces and formed this alliance, and they're on their way to surround Judah. They're going to they're, they're gonna, they're gonna take them down. That's their plan. They're going to do away with Judah. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, isn't that kind of how things even can go for us today? I mean, we could be in, walking in obedience to God, doing what God would have us to do, striving to live the life that he calls us to live. Maybe even we've, we've, we've allowed God to work in our lives, and we've made some changes and we're we're doing the right things and then all of a sudden out of the blue out of nowhere the enemy begins to come against us like never before if you've experienced that in your spiritual life say amen see this is applicable right like we can ex we understand what's happening here what he's experiencing um, problems temptations hardships they can come our way we've all been there the nation of judah is surrounded by the enemy the enemy's vastly larger than them as they've come together and joined forces there's there's really no chance that they have in and of their own self to, to do battle and 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 defeat the enemy. So I want you to see what Jehoshaphat does initially when he's faced by such a major problem. The natural thing, right? The few verse, first few verses of verse 3 says this, and, remember we just read, he's surrounded, right? And Jehoshaphat feared, right? Kind of the natural first thing that takes place when we find ourselves faced with impossibilities around. I just don't see any way out. Fear can begin to creep in. And I just have to say, can you blame him, right? Have you, Christians, have you ever been afraid? We've all feared, right? And we could talk about, you know what, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm gonna... But the initial reaction to the news of the severity of the situation can often be the temptation to fear and begin to fear. What you have to understand is not long before this event, Jeho Jehoshaphat's in battle and he narrowly escapes with his life. I mean, he just gets away and now here he is knowing this army is coming against him. Those thoughts had to be rushing into his mind and his first reaction is he fears. But notice what he does after, immediately after this fear tries to take hold in our life. Because I can tell you that while the natural reaction to situations that come against us may be fear, we have a choice whether or not we're going to live there. We have a choice whether or not we're going to live in fear or if we're going to do something different. I want you to see what Jehoshaphat does. And we see the prayer here in verse 3. It says, and Jehoshaphat feared and, here's what he does. He set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout Judah. Notice that the fear doesn't cripple him. The fear doesn't cause him to run away. The moment that he begins to fear, he does what we need to do when fear begins to creep into our lives, and that is we need to set ourselves to seek the Lord our God. You see, this one choice can make all the difference. He immediately made a proclamation, I believe, to himself. And he says, I'm not going to give in to this fear, but I am going to choose to seek the God that I served. And, and, and so as a result of that, he doesn't cower. He doesn't surrender to the, to the enemy that's coming his way. He doesn't try to rally the troops and immediately form this battle plan. What are we going to do? He doesn't do any of that. He sets himself to seek 
the Lord. He makes the choice to turn to God in prayer. I'm not going to fear. I'm going to pray. I couldn't help but wonder if maybe Paul wasn't thinking about this story that he'd heard probably so many times when he pens these words in Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, that's exactly what Jehoshaphat does. He doesn't fear, he doesn't become anxious, but he turns his heart, he sets his face to begin to seek the God that he serves, even though he had reason to be afraid. And can I remind you this morning that there are going to be times in your life when you have every reason to be afraid. When the natural reaction is to fear, you have every reason to do it. It's in those moments, I have to remind you, you have a choice. You can turn your heart to the Lord and begin to seek Him. And notice that He doesn't just, he doesn't just seek the Lord, but He sets, it says, He sets his, Himself. He sets Himself. He sets His heart to begin to truly seek God. In other words, what that tells me is that I'm going to seek God until I find Him. I'm going to seek Him out until I find him, until I hear from him. Many of you know that Michelle and I have been fostering for a few months now. It's been, it's been great overall. And the other night, uh, Michelle and I uh, went to Kohl's to get a few things, and, and, and we took the littlest one with us. He's 22 months old, and, and we took him with us, and we put him in a little cart there, and we began to walk through the store, and it isn't too long until Michelle and I are kind of ready to go different ways. We have different interests when it comes to shopping. And so Michelle took the little one and went one direction, and I went another direction to do the things that I needed to do. And um, as soon as we parted ways, the littlest one, he's, uh, when, we, when, we, when we got him in January, he didn't say like maybe one or two words. Well, now he's saying a lot of words, and he's beginning to put two or three words together. And so as we part ways, I hear, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And the farther away that they get, the louder that he's, he wants to make sure that I'm hearing. Where are you? Where are you? I mean, he, and he did not stop asking. I mean, finally, I step out into one of the main aisles running through cold. I step out into the aisle, and I'm like, you know, here I am. And he saw me all the way down that aisle, right? You see, the reality was, is from the first where are you, guess what? I heard him. See, he was never outside of my ability to hear his voice. I was there all the time, right? There all the time. But it wasn't until I stepped out right to where he could see me that he kind of stopped calling out. I, I want to remind you this morning that from the very first, God, where are you? He hears your cry. Isn't that the truth this morning? From the very first time that you call out to him, that you begin to seek him, he hears you. Just because you may not see him doesn't mean that he doesn't hear your prayer. And it also doesn't mean that he's not already working on, on your behalf because he is. If you're thankful for that truth this morning, say amen. You see, what we have to do is not fear, but we have to set our heart to seek the Lord and to trust that, you know what, God, you know the enemy that's facing me. You know all about it, and I'm going to seek you, and I'm going to trust even before I see you that you are there. We have to have a greater trust in our God than ourselves and then in what we can do. Jehoshaphat was helpless on his own, but this was no match for the God that he served. 
So he had, to, he had to proclaim that he was going to seek God, but I want you to see that not only did he seek God, begin to seek God alone, but I also want you to see here that he called on others to join forces with him. The Bible tells us he proclaims this fast. He proclaims a fast. In other words, he calls everybody, the whole nation together, to begin to seek the Lord. We're going to talk about fasting a little bit later in the series, so we won't get deep in that here. But I want you to see that he calls the entire nation together to join their hearts together and to truly begin to call out, engaging them in prayer. You see, he wanted everybody involved in this. He wanted everybody involved in the fact that we're going to seek God and we're going to trust in him to help us. And verse 4 says, So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Just a reminder for us this morning that when we don't know what to do, that not only should we seek God, but we should call others around us that we have confidence in to begin to seek the Lord with us. I wonder this morning, when was the last time those of you who are the spiritual leaders of your home, when was the last time that you called a prayer meeting with your family? When was the last time that you didn't know what to do and you said, you know what, this is a time where we just need to, we need to come together and we need to call upon God together. I, just, I, I throw that out there today because I want to remind you there's power when families pray together. I mean, God's here, God hears your individual prayers, but when you begin to seek God as a family, let me tell you something, there's power in that. I see some of you from time to time slip in for prayer during the week, and, and there are times when I know some of you are calling prayer meetings because others come to join you in prayer. I think back about times when our church leadership, our church board over the past few years, uh, I'll tell you right up front, and, and I don't think they'll have a bit of problem with me sharing this, that there are times we don't know what to do. There are situations that we'll talk about and, and we'll just stop and say, you know what, this is beyond our, our wisdom. We, we don't know what we should do. And you know what we do? We, we call up a, a prayer and fasting time. We, we say, you know what, God knows the right direction. God knows the answer. God knows what we should do. Let's fast and pray until we hear from God. There are times that we need to do that. And whether we do it as families or whether we, whether we get a hold of people and say, hey, would you fast and pray about this with me? I'm seeking God. However we do that, I want you to know that when we join forces with one another, it makes a difference. If you believe that this morning, say amen. amen. So the next time you feel prompted to have others join you in prayer, let me tell you something. Don't let the enemy stop that. Because he, he also knows how much power is when people come together and pray together. They didn't know what to do. Their situation seemed hopeless, and they began to seek God. And truly, as they began to seek God, here's what happens, and this happens every time that we begin to seek God with all of our heart. Here's what happens. We begin to see God for who He really is. We begin to see God for who he really is. And so as they pray, they begin to recall facts about this God that they serve. This morning I said, God, would you call to our memory, would you recall to our memory some things, that, ways that you've worked in our lives in the past? See, that's what begins to happen. And it's not just in our lives, but I'll tell you what, there are times when I say, you know what, Lord, I've watched you work in so-and-so's life in this way. I know you can do it. 
So it's not just recalling what God's done for us, but it's recalling what God's done in the past. I don't know how you do it. I'm thankful this morning that I come from a family with a, that I have a Christian heritage, that I've watched my parents go through things, and I've watched God work in their lives. And there are times when I step back to them or others in the previous generation, and I say, God, I just remember what you did for them and what you did for them, and now, Lord, I'm trusting that you'll do it for me. Listen to this prayer. Verse 5. He stands before the people and begins to pray. Verse 6, rather. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms and nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? He begins to remind himself who this God is that he serves. And there are times when we need to remind ourselves just who this God is that we serve. He says, you rule over all the kingdoms and the nations. See, that's ordained. This, this prayer is Holy Spirit-led, and here's how I know, because he prays this prayer. And remember, he's surrounded by some other kingdoms and nations. And yet he's reminding himself, God, you rule over them too. In other words, you are greater than the enemy that is around me today. Can I just remind you this morning that once and for all, the enemy that surrounds you was defeated when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross. Once and for all. See, and so no matter what we face, no matter what may be coming against us, no matter the problems or the circumstances that we find ourselves in today, what we know is that the enemy that's coming against us has already been defeated by the God that we serve. And if we believe that this morning, it can change our whole perspective. And then he goes on to pray this. In verse 7, are you not our God who? Are you not our God who? And then he begins to do that recounting of all the many ways that God had provided for them in the past. You see, catch this. When we get a glimpse of the God that we serve, when we begin to understand just who it is that we're praying to and calling out to in the midst of circumstances, we, we soon realize that absolutely our problem is solvable through him. I mean, think about it this morning. What if the next time we face a situation or a problem or a difficulty or an impossibility, however you want to classify it, what if we would just pray and seek the Lord and then remind ourselves of the facts of all that God has done for us in the past? What if we would just begin to, to, to put our own prayer together? God, are you not, the, are you not our God who? In fact, on your, on your handout this morning that was in your bulletin, I've, I've kind of started that for you. Are you not our God who? You need, you need a, are you not our God who prayer? If you don't have one, you need one. See, mine would go something like this. Are you not our God who has forgiven me of all my sin, who, have, who has sanctified me completely and, and growing me and helping me to be shaped and molded more like you every day? Are you not our God who's blessed me with a wonderful family and church family and friends who support me and encourage me? 
Are you not our God who has provided time and time again for me and my family financially, even at times when it seemed like there was just no way? Are you not our God who stood beside us when we lost everything on this earth and walked, through, walked with us through that most difficult time of our life? Are you not our God who in those times of discouragement and depression that you came alongside and shined your light in and reminded me that there's always hope in you? Are you not our God who... What's your prayer? What is are you not our God who prayer? What does that look like for you? You see, you need that when the enemy surrounds. You need that when you're tempted to fear. You need that when you're seeking the Lord and you remember who God is, but you need to be reminded what God has already done. God, are you not our God who is more than able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we can ask or imagine? See, that's where that prayer leads. That kind of prayer leads us to a place where we're reminded of just who this God, this amazing God that we serve is. He is able to do more than we could ever imagine. May God help us that when we find ourselves where we don't know what to do, that we'll seek God and be reminded. And then we see the petition that comes next in verse 10. Once again, he's reminded of who God is and what he's done, and he gets around finally to the request that he's making. And now he says, and now verse 10, here we are. The people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned in from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, he says, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you gave us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? And then he says this, For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Don't you love the end of this petition? I'm so thankful for, remember who, who this is, right? The king is calling out. I'm thankful for people who are willing to humble themselves before God. Think about it. Humbling themselves, humbling himself before God and saying this, we have no power. This is the king. We have no power, nor do we know what to do but our eyes are upon you. I wonder this morning, think with me, I wonder this morning how much differently our lives may be. I wonder how much differently we might live out in victory today if we would make this prayer part of the prayer that we pray often. Lord, we have no power. Lord, I have no power. I don't know what to do, but Lord, today I want you to know my eyes are fixed upon you. You see, he knew that his help come would come only from God. That God had to work, that God had to provide. You see, I want to just remind you this morning that you can't do it alone and I can't do it alone. In fact, we even, if we even all get together in our own power and strength to be, I'm just being honest, we can't even all do it together if it's left up to us. We need God. It's a prayer that you and I must pray. You see, I believe I would go this far today. I believe that this prayer is not optional for us. I believe we have to pray this prayer. Humble ourselves 
being broken, willing to admit, God, I have no power. I can't do it. I don't know what to do. My eyes are upon you. How might our relationships be different if we would pray this prayer? How might the financial situation that you find yourself in this morning be different if you would come before God with that prayer? How might our work problems be different? How might our marriage be different? How might our times of waiting on God to work be different if we would just come before Him and say, I have no power. I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes are upon you. I've found in my life that there's no better place to be than totally dependent upon the Lord. If you believe that, say amen. Totally dependent upon Him. People come to me all the time, and I'm thankful that they do. I, I find it a privilege to pray with people and, and to try to help and encourage them. People come to me all the time with situations where they just don't know what to do. They help in various ways. A lot of the ways I've mentioned this morning, financial, relationships, wisdom, direction, God's will, understanding God's will. And I want to help them all. And I, I try to pray and ask God for wisdom and look for resources. And there's lots of resources that are out there that are really positive and really good. And so I'm aware of a lot of those. I try to point them to those resources if I can. But I'm also very aware of this truth, that there's a limit to what I can do. There's times, to be honest with you, where I feel very helpless because I know in and of myself I don't have the answers. There's times like that that we're tempted to get discouraged, but what we need to do is simply pray. And, and some of you know this because I've prayed this with you. But I know in my own heart this is what I pray. God, I don't know what to do. Even in times when people are sharing things with me and I'm listening to them, but my prayer of my heart is, God, I don't know what to do. My heart breaks. The wisdom's not in me, God. I don't know what to do. My eyes are upon you. I wonder how it might change our relationships. I wonder how it might change our witnessing. I wonder how it might make a difference in your workplace. If the next time somebody comes to you and they're sharing with you what's going on in their life, instead of just kind of tuning them out, instead saying, Lord, I don't have the answers for them we need wisdom. I don't know what to do, but God, my eyes are upon you. And Lord, if you'll help me, I'll share what you want me to share. See, it can make a difference if we just allow God to work in this way. You know this truth, and I hope you believe it. When we seek God out and we call upon him in prayer and we put our trust in him, he always comes through every single time. It may not be the way you hope. It may not be the way you want. It may not be the plan that you had all figured out in your mind. God always comes through right on time with the answer that we call for. God's faithful. King Jehoshaphat had no idea, didn't know how this was all going to work out. But they had to trust that somehow God was going to rescue them. And God was faithful when they don't know what to do, they proclaim that God is able and they pray for his help and God speaks. But I want you to be reminded today that God often speaks to us in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's through his word. Sometimes it's the still small voice of his spirit. Sometimes he speaks to us through other godly people and counsel. A lot of different ways God speaks to us. But God will always speak to us as we call upon him. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Always.
This time he chooses to speak through the prophet Jehaziel. And we see what God says, the promise, verse 15. He said, listen, all of you. Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Notice he addresses his fear first, right? The first thing he does, remember he was afraid. He sought God, but he was afraid. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. See, there's the promise. The battle's not yours, but God. He's saying, don't lose hope. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose confidence because the battle isn't yours, Jehoshaphat. The battle is mine, God is saying. It's not yours, it's mine. What if we could get this perspective? What if we could get the perspective that God is trying to give them? These battles aren't ours to begin with, right? If we're serving Jesus this morning, if we're walking hand in hand with him, then every single battle that comes our way belongs to who? It should belong to God. If we're walking with him, it should belong to him. But we have this bad habit that when we face difficulties, when we face uncertainties, when we face the trials of this life, we quickly become afraid and dismayed and discouraged. And often, instead of turning our heart to seek God, we take possession of the battle and we retreat. And then we try to figure out how are we going to do this on our own? How am I going to get through this, right? And we make those phone calls or we call people, but instead of calling them, asking them, would you join me in prayer? Would you fast with me? Would you help me seek the Lord? We're often calling saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how this is going to work out. Things are bleak. It doesn't seem like there's any way. And we allow that fear to just lay on the stress and the anxiety, and it builds and it builds and it builds. If you can relate this morning, would you whisper an amen? Right? You see, this is what happens. Why? Because we take ownership of the battle. We take ownership of the battle. Who's fighting your battles this morning? Who owns the battles that you find yourself in today? Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, because of what's going on around you today. That's what he's saying. The battle is not yours, it is God's. And prayer is the place where we discover and claim this promise. God, I'm trusting in you. You know all about the battle that's raging in my life today. I don't take ownership of that, God. I trust that you will help and provide in your way, in your time. We have to stop using this kind of speech, like these are my problems, my battles, my difficult circumstances, my hardship. We take ownership. Instead, we need to say, God, I'm trusting that these are, these are battles that you're going to fight and that you're going to help me and you're going to give me wisdom and know how to face. When we don't know what to do, getting our eyes on Jesus and being reminded that he is all-powerful and the battle is his makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. There have been many, many, many times when I've said, I, I don't know what to do. And I would say if you're open this morning, you would probably share that with me. Lots of different situations. I was reflecting back uh, this week, really over the last couple weeks, I found out just before we left on vacation that the very first church I pastored, um, that they were closing that church and it's going to go up for sale. A lot of emotions uh, for me that kind of ranged. Here's the, here's the little church. Some of you know the story. When we went there, um, uh, the size of the congregation doubled my first Sunday. That's because there were five people there and there were five of us. 
in my family. So when we went there, the congregation doubled the first week. We had record attendance, right? God had, had, had so very much, it was so clear that he had called us there, and I was bivocational, and great spot for me to begin to kind of develop and learn and, and, and figure things out. And uh, we loved the people, they loved us, God grew the congregation over time. I think one Easter we had 70, we ran about 35 or 40 um, by the time that it came for us to move on. But here's what I know, is that is that God extended the life of that church 20 years to reach that community, and he used us as a, as a catalyst to help make that happen because they were going to close the doors when we went. And so we've always praised God for that, and we've always felt very much like this is a part of us. Share all that just to say that as I was going back through, just in my mind, so 20 years ago, and I'm reminiscing right in my mind just about some things that went on there, And God began to recall some of the miracles that he worked. Um, when we went there to pastor, the, the previous pastor's wife deposited $50 in the checking account so they could keep it open, so that we could go. So the church had no money. We knew that. And week by week, we began to trust God. We went in, and the building was very run down. The roof was leaking. It needed replaced immediately, and we had no funds. And, and so primarily that became like the, the big goal. And, and so we, the, we got there in, in November, the last part of November. And so all winter we prayed and we asked God to provide for a roof. <laughs> Didn't know this was going to happen. <clears throat> and those prayers I can't remember exactly, but I know the gist of them. God, we don't know what we're going to do. And so we prayed, and God helped us over about six months to raise $1,600. Now, put it in perspective, that was probably like $100,000, right, when you take the percentage of income. I mean, it was like, it was a miracle to raise that much. And I remember I was working with a guy, with a, with a lady whose husband was a roofer, and so I reached out to him, and I said, I have no idea what this is going to cost us. Would you come and look at it and give us an estimate? So he came over, and he checked everything out, and he knew a little bit about our situation, you know, and so, so he calls me back later that week, and and he said, hey, Pastor, you know, we're really going to try to keep expenses down and do everything we can. We work this out. He said, I think we can put that roof on for $4,500. Now, looking back, like, that was a deal. That was a steal for what had to be done. We we're going to provide a lot of help, you know. And, and so I said, well, you know, we just don't have that kind of money. We're just going to have to keep praying and trusting that God will provide. So we'll let you know when we're ready, right? So I call the church to prayer. And we began to pray. We began, God, we trust you. I don't know how it's going to work out, but you know we need the roof, and we know somehow you're going to provide. And we prayed, and we prayed, and a few weeks went by. And I remember I, I, can, I can see it in my mind. I know where I was sitting in my house when I got the call. Roofer called me, and I thought, uh-oh, he's going to want to know if we're ready. It's only been a few weeks, right? And so um, he called me, and I, he said, hey, how's it going? I just want to check and see how things were. And I said, well, hey, you know, we've raised a few few more hundred dollars, but we're still a long way from where we need to, we need to be. And he said, um, he said, well, let me, let me just ask you this. If I could put that roof, roof on, I think we'd raise two more hundred dollars. He said, if I could put that roof on for $1,800, would you do it? Which is exactly what we had at the time. And I said, I don't know how you'd be able to do that, but the answer is absolutely yes. When do you want to do it, you know? And he brought his crew, and we rounded up a bunch of guys. And I didn't think about it at the time, but it was the weekend of Easter, that they came and we put that roof on that church. God, we don't know what to do. We don't have the funds. We don't have the resources. But God, you know our need. And God, 
put me in the right place of work, to connect me with the right person who had the heart to see a need and feel and sense the Holy Spirit speaking to him and come and made all those connections. I could go on and on telling you about this story because the Baptist church came over and helped us put the church roof on. My guys from the church heard about what was happening and they show up and brought, brought a loader over and a dump truck. And I mean, all these Baptists are coming to help the Nazarenes. Praise the Lord for the Baptists. They came and they were helping us. I mean, God provided. Lord, we don't know. Can I just remind you, only God can do that. Only God can do that. We can try to figure it out. We can try to go out and, and th don't get me wrong, there's times to have a campaign and do this and that and the other. But let me tell you something, folks. If we haven't prayed and God hasn't directed the campaign, it's not time for the campaign. It's time to get on our knees before God and say, God, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are upon you. Would you provide? And I want you to just know this morning that God will provide it's never been like that before. It probably never will be like that again because God works in different ways. I remind you, he's the God of creation, so he can do a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. What we have to do is trust him to provide. Here's why, all right? It's his church. It's his family. My kids, they're God's kids. My granddaughter belongs to Jesus. My car, I go on and on. Everything that we want, and it's surrendered to him. Guess what? It's not our battle. It's God's battle. For Jehoshaphat, he worked a miracle like they didn't even have to fight. If you remember the story, the three enemies, they start fighting against one another. They defeat each other, and all, all Judah has to do is go out praising God and just having a great praise meeting on how great their God is. That's all they have to do because God fought. I wonder this morning, whose battle is it? When you don't know what to do, are you going before God in prayer and trusting Him and truly allowing Him to work? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we're thankful in this moment to be reminded of the truth that we know. that you're a God that desires us to pray. And so right now in this moment, as it's quiet, as every head is bowed, I'm not going to ask you to move this morning. I'm just going to ask you to pray. What's your battle? What's your situation? What's your impossibility? Would you make the choice right now where you are to set your eyes on a God, on the God who is able this morning? Will you call out to him right where you are? Would you say, Lord, I relinquish this battle to you. I've had possession of it too long. I give it to you this morning. Lord, I trust you. I don't know how you're going to work but it's at your feet. Father, I just join my heart in prayer with people that I love, people that I care about this morning, people who I want nothing more in their life but for them to just seek you
And Lord, today I can't begin to know every situation, but I'm glad right now in this moment that we don't have to call out, where are you, because we know you're here. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would hear the cries and the prayers of people that are setting their eyes on you today and trusting you to work. God, come alongside them right now and just assure them that you hear their prayer. I pray that their heart would be lighter today when they leave because they've given their battle ownership back to you. And that, Lord, throughout this week as the temptation comes to take possession again, that, Lord, you would just help them to continue to just keep that battle in your hands and keep trusting you and watching for you to work as only you can work. I believe that this month is not only going to be a month of prayer, but I believe it's going to be followed by days and weeks and months and years of miracles. Because as we call upon you, you answer and do what only you can do. We love you, Lord, and we praise you.